All right, everybody. It's Scream Weekend here in the world, but we're here on the basement today, and I wanted to hop on and talk about the Scream franchise, at least up until the most recent one, because as I record this, I have not seen it yet. I'm going to see it this weekend, and let's just say maybe at some point next week, uh, there might be a little extra episode coming at you, just like on this week, uh, that revolves around the new Scream movie, but... I think just like what's going on out there right now in podcast world and in movie world, there's a lot of buzz to kick off the new year with the new Scream film that is bringing back some of the remaining cast members that haven't been killed off from the first four films. I'm talking about, you know, Nev Campbell, uh, Courtney Cox, and a guy named David Arquette. Tried to get David on the show to maybe come on and talk about it. Reached out to his managers and whatnot. David Arquette is a pretty busy guy right now plugging this movie. Rightfully so. But uh, eh, maybe down the road at some point. And, you know, I didn't think to reach out to Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox. That's besides the point. Um, I don't think I have that much clout yet in the industry to get them on my little podcast. But, uh, yeah... I have been a fan of this franchise. I, I wouldn't, I've definitely been aware of it since it's come out. It came out, the original one came out in 1996, which is where we'll kind of start things here. I'm just kind of going to do a bit of a retrospect on the first four films to kind of maybe hype you up a little bit. If you happen to be listening to this on your way to see the new fifth installment to the franchise. Uh, but to go back to the original one, the first one, uh, 1996. I was, I want to say, eight years old. The release date on the first Scream was December 20th, 1996. Uh, I was eight years old when this thing came out, and I was not really watching a lot of horror films, but I definitely did take notice of it, A, because I had a teenage brother and sister in the household who were probably going to see it, and so I, I, I was very aware of Scream, and I think I had like a few friends who you know, said they snuck into the movie theater and saw it, which was probably bullshit at the time. There's no way an eight-year-old is sneaking into a rated R movie. Uh, But Scream became a cultural phenomenon, from what I remember. Uh, The buzz around this movie was crazy, and it created kind of the neo-slasher. You know, we saw the slasher film genre of the 1980s become, you know, this amazingly big thing that defined a decade or was one of the big definitions of the decade and then they kind of petered out towards the late 80s uh, into the early 90s you didn't really I mean they're still making slasher movies but you the the icons of that genre were kind of running out of steam I guess you could say your Friday the 13th kind of petered out um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films you know Freddy Krueger became a comedic act until Wes Craven was able to revive him for Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I always felt is such an awesome meta installment into that franchise. But I'll talk about that another day. But I'll transition off that to Wes Craven. Wes Craven, the director of Scream, he is known as a god amongst the horror genre. And, you know, you you see Wes in an interview, he just looks like this calm, cool, collective, really nice guy. But it's because, you know... Wes is working out his anxieties and fears and putting them up on the big screen. And so I didn't, again, I wasn't really aware of Wes Craven when I was a kid, and especially when Scream comes out. But the only thing I would hear about this movie was 
from, you know, an older brother and an older sister. I remember my sister, you know, had maybe just seen it one night at the theater and she actually spoiled the opening for me because Drew Barrymore iconically is on the poster and everything. And, you know, she's very much promoted as a, a big centerpiece of this film. And she really kind of is, if you think about it, she is her character arc, whatever you want to call it, is what kicks off the, uh, the series basically. And you know how things go from there. Uh, but she dies in about the first five to 10 minutes. She's killed off in the opening scene. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, (laughs) but I feel like a lot of people have seen scream who've listened to this show. So, uh, if I just ruined the first scream for you, uh, to hell with you. But I remember my sister spoiling it for me going around the house going, I don't understand why Drew Barrymore is on the poster of this movie when she's killed off in the first fucking 30 seconds or something like that. And so I knew going in when I finally got around to seeing Scream, the first one, uh, is that Drew Barrymore dies viciously in the beginning. But I remember that also recharging Drew Barrymore's career a little bit. She kind of, she kind of, you know, I would, you know, this is stuff I found out after the fact, you know, her career was kind of not really doing so good at the time. I know she had some, you know, antics out as a social light and whatnot. And, you know, she kind of had a things I don't really need to dive into and bring up, but you know, anybody just do your research on Drew Barrymore as a child growing up. She kind of was in a difficult situation. I'm glad to see that she's made it out and actually grown to have a good life and a good career. But Scream really kind of, I think, revamped her image and got her, you know, got her, you know, some jobs and got her, you know, back into a good lane as a, as an actress. And that's another great thing I've also noticed about Scream. Scream has one hell of an ensemble cast. And I'm not just talking about the first one. I'll touch on the second and the third and the fourth one also. That is something about this franchise that has always just wowed me. Like the people they get to do this movie are always like the spot on young adult, you know, actors and actresses at the time. And, you know, because in, you know, these slasher movies, they always just find, you know, no names and whatnot, and maybe somebody, you know, maybe you get your Jamie Lee Curtis's who, you know, blow up from, you know, making a genre film like this, but you sometimes you don't always get that, but they would take people that were like on that cusp of becoming superstars, and they'd put them all in this movie, so in Scream 1, you have Drew Barrymore, you know, in the opening scene, you also bring in the iconic, we have to start with her, Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, uh, who I, in my opinion, don't think she gets enough credit as, you know, a scream queen. You know, everybody talks again like your Jamie Lee Curtis's or your Heather Langenkamp from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 3 and New Nightmare, I'm bringing that up again. A few others, I guess we could say. But Nev Campbell, to me, is like, should be at the forefront. She should be at the conversation. I Maybe I'm just not talking to the right people, but I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, put some respect on the girl's name. <laughs> uh, she really, you know, kicks ass. And she really is, you know, you really feel her fight against, you know, fear of this this heinous killer out, you know, basically tracking her down, trying to kill her and knocking off all her friends. And obviously there's a little bit of a story, a personal story of, that involves parents being unfaithful to one another and the kids kind of get the repercussion of it. And that's a backstory that plays into kind of the big reveal of who the killer is in the first scream. 
Uh, I mean, I don't really need to go too far into the plot on any of the Scream films. You kind of get the gist of it. You kind of know about Ghostface and, you know, how big of a Halloween costume that thing has become. And I want to say, even before Scream came out, that costume, like, had just hit the Halloween costume market. I remember seeing it around before the movie came out, and I feel like Scream just made that like an even bigger thing. I mean, everybody goes around with a ghost face mask. Everybody's probably worn one before. But back to the casting in these movies. And to start with the first Scream, the cast on this thing, uh, Nev Campbell, obviously, like I just said, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Drew Barrymore. Um, but some other big names, Skeet Ulrich pops up in this with a very pivotal part. Uh, Matthew Lillard, um, Rose McGowan pops up, and I, I want to say that's an early role for her. Uh, Jamie Kennedy, I always forget, Leave Schreiber plays Cotton Weary, the man who is supposedly accused as a, the serial killer of Sidney Prescott's mother. I mean, other little bit parts also kind of come and go. Mary Shelton pops up in it. Um, she would go on to do like other kind of cool roles of the late 90s and, you know, these horrors and thriller movies that kind of come out. Uh, Wes Craven has a cameo in it. as uh, <laughs> Wes Craven pops up as like a janitor. His, his name is Freddy, and he's wearing a... It's clearly a Freddy Krueger shirt. Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, is in there as a small role. It, it, I mean, I know th- those aren't like the young adult, you know, cast members, but again, just to assemble this all-star cast it seems is just fucking awesome and a credit also to the writer who i've seen been on the podcast uh, circuit for a while uh you know plugging the film and whatnot but kevin williamson who went on to just be kind of a cornerstone of films of the late 90s that are kind of you know of this style and of this ilk you know he you know went on to obviously write I believe most of all the screams, I'll circle back around to that. But he also wrote, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which was kind of the big, and I want to say like, you know, follow-up kind of spin-off. But you could tell, you know, if Scream didn't happen, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Maybe would have never got the greenlit. Uh, also things like Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Uh, I guess he kind of did a little bit behind-the-scenes work on Halloween H2O. He was big with the Weinsteins at the time. The, Wein- the Weinsteins fought hard, Harvey and Bob. I'll get into them a little bit. I know they have a bad reputation. That's the elephant in the room, obviously. But uh, at the time, you know, nobody knew things like that, or maybe they did. But anyway, um, yeah, he, he was big with the Weinsteins, and that was a big sale for Kevin Williamson. He, I guess the Weinstein company, Miramax, offered like 400000 to buy his script for Scream. And, you know, I guess I think of, from what I heard, it was Oliver Stone's production company that was also bidding on the script for like $600,000. And this is like out of the bag, kind of his first big thing. And the thing is, is I think... Um, the Weinsteins were very heavy in wanting to make this movie. They were putting their money where their mouth was, and we buy the script, we're making this. Supposedly, you know, Oliver Stone's production company, I don't even know what it was at the time. It's $600,000, but let me just honestly say, do you picture Oliver Stone's name being on a movie like Scream? 
I don't either, but I love Oliver Stone, but I just don't see him making a movie there being an executive producer or something on this. So the wine, so he went in with the Weinsteins and, you know, they bring on Wes Craven, who I guess was supposedly very much against making a movie like this. He was trying to get out of that box of making horror films. But Scream is a horror film, yes, but it also kind of has a slight spoof value to it. They are kind of making a little bit of fun of the tropes of scary movies and slasher films, but they don't do it in a spoof kind of way. It just, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of like how people are in everyday life. when we're talking about serial, serial killers and we're talking about everybody knows a Jamie Kennedy character who plays the video store clerk who knows everything about movies and whatnot. I mean, I feel like myself included if i was a character in the scream universe I'd, I'd probably be jamie kennedy scream did a really good job at being a horror movie while also making fun of horror movies without being a spoof of itself and i think that's why audience reacted so well to it they reacted so well to this movie that financially it was such a big hit when it came out that Harvey Weinstein decided to say, we're making Scream 2. Scream 2 was greenlit so goddamn quick that Scream 2 got released. 357 days were between the releases. That's less than a year. I've, I don't know a franchise that has done that. Maybe Saw eventually did that. I don't know the exact release dates, but I know Saw eventually with their films. It was a new one every year for about like six or seven years, eight years maybe. Who knows? I, I can't remember, but... Uh, at the time, I just remember blinking and Scream 2 was out. Now, Scream 2 is kind of fresh in my mind. I gave it a rewatch recently, and I guess I kind of compared this to... It's the Godfather 2 of horror franchises. It's it's just as... It's like almost a little bit better, in my opinion. Uh, same tropes, same kind of fun and whatnot with the whodunit of who's going to be Ghostface this time. Same kind of crazy opening with Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm not sure if she was married to Will Smith at the time. She might have just been Jada Pinkett. But, um, and it, again, kind of the movie plays a little bit of commentary on how we're reacting to, you know, franchise movies in the opening act and how we react to these horror films with the opening scene being in a movie theater and there's a murder that happens and, you know, Ghostface Killer is back. And by the way, Ghostface is just something people kind of started calling him, but I believe in the movie he's just the killer. And, you know, so it the movie kind of picks up where it left off with now Sidney Prescott's at uh, college and murders start happening again around her and she's obviously uh, becomes a target again. And... Once again, the cast on this movie is just an all-star freaking cast again. We got, you know, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox returning. That's kind of a spoiler alert because they, you know, survive the first one. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar shows up before she goes off and does I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's back. Jerry O'Connell is back in this also. Uh, Timothy Ollie, I can never say his goddamn name right. Timothy Olium Fant. <laughs> You know who he is. He's from Justified. You know, he's, he's a star, but I can't fucking say his name. Uh, Leif Schreiber's back. It's Cotton Weary. Laurie Metcalf off of Roseanne. Um, Luke Wilson and Tori Spelling show up as, like, being within the movie, within the movie, because there's a movie that's being released based off of the murders the, that happened in the first, uh, first Scream film. 
Luke Wilson shows up as one of the characters in the movie within the movie, as well as Tori Spelling. Heather Graham shows up in the movie within the movie, if I'm making any sense. Scream fans, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart also pops up in there, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, again, just a great roundup of young adult actors. I, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody out there knows, but I feel like Joshua Jackson shows up in like one scene, and I don't know if this is before or after Dawson's Creek just hit, but yeah, he pops up in there also, which kind of brings me to my next point. Everybody knows what happens really in Scream 2. It's it's a who, it's, you know, just like a first one, it's a who done it. you know, the body count kind of doubles, you know, now you got to kind of wonder, okay, you know, who was the killer in the first one? I'm not going to say who. Now who could be the killer in the second one? Who's got motive to be the killer? You guys get the concept of Scream 2. I'm, I'm doing some retrospect here. And one thing I noticed, because I'm about, you know, going on 10 years old at the time here. Uh, well, like nine, nine going on 10, I guess I should say. But uh, we start to see by Scream 2 hitting a kind of craziness in young adult content, which is the name of a episode that I did, you know, back in the beginning of the show. But a lot of young adult films and TV shows, you know, the CW, which at the time was called the WB, there was also a channel called UPN, at least where I was in the world, that had a lot of like shows with, you know, actors and actresses who'd come, who'd be on these shows and, you know, dramas about teenagers. There was really a teenage renaissance that really kicked in. And I feel like it was Scream that kicked it off. Uh, you know, Dawson's Creek, like I just mentioned, popped up on, you know, the WB. I got to remember to call it the WB. I know it's called the CW now, but when I was a kid, it was the WB. Uh, you, you started to see kind of a lot of like dark thrillers with young adult cast members attached. Um, you know, a young Katie Holmes popped up in a lot of things like Teaching Mrs. Tingle and a few other ones. Like Disturbing Behavior is another one. Again, just like a lot of these, you know, thrillers and other horror films obviously came from it you know there was a renaissance of horror films and you know i know what you did last summer is kind of the big follow-up different franchise but like i said scream was probably something that greenlit a film like that uh even into the early 2000s you know you still had your uh, urban legend movie an herbal urban legend final cut and a film like valentine i remember at the early early 2000s valentine a, a, a you know a, a serial killer slasher film you know with you know, a crazy, cool, kind of creepy mask. And that was another thing. Yeah, everybody was trying to do a cool mask again or a cool suit for the killer. And, you know, they were all kind of whodunit movies, except for I Know What You Did Last Summer. You kind of knew there's this fisherman guy out to get them. But a lot kind of kicked into high gear with TV shows, films of kind of this crop that really spawned from films like Scream or other films like that. You just started seeing these names that we, you know, some are still around today, pretty prominent, like names I've just dropped, obviously, uh, that are still out there. And, you know, a lot of it spawned from Scream. So now we get to Scream 3. Now Scream 3, again, directed by Wes Craven. He's directed by, he's he's directed the first two. Uh, by this time in the third one, and I feel like by the time you get to a third installment in a trilogy, uh, you know, things maybe don't click as well as they used to. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Scream 3. I mean, the premise is a little more elevated or 
eh, maybe elevated is not the word. It's a little more big and over the top because now, you know, obviously there were the stab movies that show up in Scream 2, which are, you know, the adaptation films of what happens in the first plot of Scream. <laughs> I feel like I'm confusing people. But so by the time we hit Scream 3, there's the movie Stab 3 being shot in Hollywood. So the film is taking place primarily in Hollywood. And uh, Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox's character, and uh, uh, Dewey are on, um, David Arquette's character are the onset advisors. And the killer has now, the new killer, whoever it may be, is uh, picking off the cast members of the movie in order of the screenplay. And of course, this brings back Sidney Prescott to be able to find the riddle to who the killer might be. Um, I don't hate Scream 3. I, I definitely don't like it as much as the first two. Uh, it's probably my least favorite out of the first four, I'll say that. But I, that's not to knock the people behind it and whatnot. Um, Scream 3 is also around, you know, obviously in the early 2000s. And from what I'm told, around this time, this is when Harvey Weinstein got the reputation and the nickname Harvey Scissorhands. Because anything that landed on his desk, he would cut it up his own way and release it you know the Weinsteins had a lot of weight a lot of power at this time in Hollywood and they would just do what they needed to do and release something and I feel like that kind of looks like that's what's happening in Scream 3 there's just some things that don't really add up uh that don't hit like they do in the first two and you know a lot of people want to knock a film but sometimes you can watch a film and think there's something good in there but I feel like they fucked it up in editing And I would trust a director like Wes Craven to know what he's doing and to know how to tell a story. And supposedly he was clashing a lot with the Weinsteins behind the scenes. I'm sure a lot of people clashed with the Weinsteins behind the scenes. And we've now seen the final verdict of Harvey and Bob Weinstein, mainly Harvey Weinstein. Um, I don't want to do an entire episode based on that. You guys know the story there. Um, So, you know, Scream 3 comes out. You know, it's it's still a big hit. You know, again, it's got... You know, I just feel like I always kind of revert back to the cast because I'm always completely wowed by the cast members they put in the film. Uh, added into the role, you got Patrick Dempsey himself showing up in this thing, Jenny McCarthy, uh, Parker Posey, Scott Foley is in this, Carrie Fisher is in this. Um, yeah, it's again just got such a killer cast. But yeah, like I said, you kind of, it doesn't really hit like the first two, but. Again, I think there were just some issues going on behind the scenes. So we don't hear anything from the Scream franchise for about another 10 years. And then the film gets greenlit for a fourth one. And I was buzzing for it. And it brings back, you know, the legacy characters. Courtney Cox, David Arquette. uh, And everybody wanted to know, is Nev Campbell back? It's not going to be Scream if Nev Campbell's not back. Nev Campbell's back in. There was very much a lot of touch and go, and was she or wasn't she going on in the Twitter world, I believe, at the time. But she signs on to do it, and Wes Craven is back for a fourth one. But, again, I think, you know, this is just the Weinsteins doing what the Weinsteins would do. And, you know, the the movie just, I feel, doesn't hit its mark like I want, a, you know, a movie 10 years separated from the last one to do to kind of bring me back into it and give me some hype but 
as a testament to Wes Craven himself, he's a great director. I still see some of his workings and his great artistic drive and, you know, message he tries to put into his movies is still in there and I can feel it. And Wes Craven also does a great job at some of his movies that are still kind of duds. If you go back and revisit them, maybe a few years after the fact, you kind of feel like he's just ahead of the curve at times. Scream 4 actually kind of has a commentary a little bit on what would eventually kind of be like social media influencing and doing stuff for likes and whatnot. And this is comes out in 2011, so I'm assuming they're shooting it in 2010. And honestly, like, you know, Social media was still very young, and Facebook had been around for a few years, and it was definitely booming at that time, but it still was not what it is today. I feel like we say that every couple of years because, you know, technology and the internet just keeps growing. But I feel like Wes Craven was kind of having a commentary on what we were doing online, maybe where, we were, where things were going. And I feel like if you watch that film with fresh eyes, you know, you got to tip your hat to the guy and how ahead of the curve he was. Again, Scream 4, Emma, you know, same, you know, legacy cast members returning, uh, but added in is Emma Roberts, Hayden Penetier, Rory Culkin's in there, Allison Brie, which I actually forgot about. Um, Anna Paquin shows up, Adam Brody, uh, Kristen Bell also in there as well. Anthony Anderson also popped in there also. That was kind of cool. It's definitely not the... It's still not my favorite. I'd say it's my third, and Scream 3 is probably my least favorite as of right now. Um, but I think if you go back and visit Scream 4, I actually think there's some cool things going on, even though I feel like they just kind of, something falls flat in it for me. I don't know what it is, but I just felt like they made some decisions and cut some crap out in post-production. And if I'm Wes Craven, that would piss me off too. And again, supposedly he was clashing with the Weinsteins behind the scenes. Um, that is hearsay, but that's hearsay from pretty reliable sources. Um, so that's my quick little 27 minute retrospect on the Scream franchise and just what I love about it, what I don't like about it and, you know, how much I think it's had such a positive impact on pop culture. And I am definitely pumped to go check it out this weekend. I think you all should do that too. Um, maybe. If you're lucky and you listen to this episode and give me enough downloads, maybe I'll do a little review of the new Scream film next week after I've seen it. Maybe. But until then, you guys know the routine. Uh, Subscribe to the show on Apple Pods and Spotify and Google and iHeartRadio and Podbean and wherever the fuck else this show is on. And leave a rating and leave a review. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for coming by the basement.